are just some there are just some connections that are just absolutely born of the Holy Ghost. And I really do believe that our connection with Brother Marks and his family um, has been something that has been born of the Holy Ghost. Little did I know when I first met Brother Marks. In fact, he actually had been here to preach for us several times that he had a younger brother and his younger brother would sweep my daughter off of her feet. You know, they're evangelizing now. They are officially evangelizing now. And we are so, we're so excited and so proud of them and they're going to be back tomorrow. They'll be here Tuesday and then they're they're in the month of Oregon for the entire month of July. There's a unique connection with this man and the Northwest. He has preached here numerous times in our standout conference. It was a youth conference that we did for many years, probably at least 10 years. And then he's preached Summit Conference every single year for many years. And he's been an incredible blessing, not just to Cornerstone, but the entirety of the Northwest. I'm excited what God's going to do the remainder of this service. Why don't we put our hands together under the Lord for the man of God? Aren't you thankful for your pastor? I think there's, oftentimes there are words, phrases that are used too loosely. Um, and I think the, the word quintessential is a word that is used too loosely. If I were to just nail Brother and Sister Mayo with 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 if I were asked for one word, it would be hard, but at the top. These are quintessential leaders, apostolic leaders. And um, we are so grateful for them. And my wife and I, my family and I are very thankful for relationship, the connection that, that God has given us, praise God, and um, we have the highest respect for them and, and this great church. I'm just thankful to be a part of Cornerstone. <clears throat> In my estimation, it's Cornerstone in name but it's Bethel in spirit. If you don't know what I mean, that's, that's just, Bethel's just getting as close to heaven as you can get without being there. The gate, the gate of heaven. And uh, we, over the years, many times have stood in heavenly places. And um, you get to do that week in and week out. 
And I've said this here before, but to raise a family, to be able to raise a family here is that's an, that's an awesome privilege and never take it for granted. Praise God. Amen. I know I have said this here before, and it has proven to be true. Um, but I, I really feel like that what the Lord has given me is not only important, I believe it's pivotal. Now, uh, let me just make this statement. I know this church stays in perpetual revival. But I feel like if this is received today and responded to, I'm looking to some of these weekends I'm coming back the rest of the year. I really feel like there's a connection to what I'm going to preach today and some of those weekends being about, I mean, would you be okay if we had 10, 15, 20 people get the Holy Ghost on a Sunday? into harvest weekends and that's and I, I really feel like that today's connected to all of that and uh, and I know there's cons obviously I mean you're handing out certificates today there's there's always people being baptized here this is a revival church but I'm talking about I'm talking about that next level that next level and I know what these moments feel like driving down the road and the Lord dropped this into my spirit along with several other things cornerstone and boom and the next thing was like why Lord did you wait so long how did this set right underneath my nose and so I'm going to do my best to give you what he's given me today. Psalms 18. <clears throat> Was that some singing today or what? Good gracious sakes. For the life of me, man, I'm just, well, I'm not. Sister Mayo can just, golly. Can your pastor's wife throw down for me? Jesus Christ. Yeah. I, I asked her this year at Summit, you know, when are, when, are, when are you singing? How much are you singing? To me, she's not singing enough, but I love to hear her when she sings. Verse 29, Psalms 18, verse 29. For by thee I have. Somebody say, I have. It's by thee. But I have. I don't know if you hear me yet. It's by thee, but I have. 
Unfortunately, there's a lot of by these that never end up in an I have. I have run through a troop, and by my God, have I, somebody say, have I, leaped over a wall. There's no way I'll get to this, but I can't stop reading. i got to read one more verse. As for God, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all those that trust in Him. I'm just thankful for the word of the Lord. I'm going to hold my title for a little bit for a reason. Would you set your device down, whatever you're reading off of, out of your Bible, your device. Would you lift your hands and ask God to talk to us here for the next few moments in this service. Come on, somebody lift your voice. Come on, somebody help me pray right now. Come on, somebody put some volume with it. If you believe the Lord's going to do it, would you just clap your hands? Give him a cornerstone shout. Give him a cornerstone shout. Hallelujah. You can be seated. If you would, um, please lean in. Give me your undivided attention here for the next few moments. I want to open, um, and I feel like to really close this way that the Lord gave it to me that you've got to connect here in the beginning. David is beloved by us all and for a list of reasons. I feel like that somewhere at the top of all of our love list for David would be that it resonates. It, it's relatable. His life is relatable. Um, he is, scholars now, most of them on the same page that we know for sure, that he authored 75, we're certain, 75 of the 150 Psalms. And there's a lot of other probabilities that's very interesting. In fact, I won't bore you with it, but it has been a hobby horse of mine going on 25 years now as I, I like to place these psalms in the narrative where David was at and what he was facing. Um, and there's just so many that come to mind. 
but I won't go through those. What you will find if you get serious about studying these um, Psalms of David is that they're not necessarily given in chronological order. Psalms 18 is penned by David. Of course, Psalms 23 is penned by David, but not necessarily that what was going on in Psalms 18 came before Psalms 23. This is very important if you get serious about studying this timeline and looking at this. Now, just when you think that you've fleshed it all out and unpacked it, you're caught off guard and surprised, to be quite frank with you, stunned. And as I was driving down the road, there were three words that just popped in my spirit, and I'll share those with you here in just a little bit. But this portion of Scripture came to me, and I knew where it, where it was, and I had some... I felt like some educated suspicions as to where it fit, but there was something, Brother Mayo, that I had missed. And it's just as clear as the nose on the end of your face. I don't know how I missed this. Psalm 18, almost verbatim, is sung by David in 2 Samuel chapter 22. Now, if you understand Scripture, you know that in 2 Samuel chapter 23, David dies. Now, lean in and give me your minds because this is important. And what I had missed is that Psalms 18 was also, again, in 2 Samuel 22, 2 Samuel 23, David dies. I've never put those two portions of Scripture together. Now, the important part about this that I had missed, now listen to this, is there are some scholars that believe quite possibly this is the last psalm that David ever wrote. Now, we don't know this for sure, but this is what caught me off surprise or caught me off guard, caught me by surprise that I had never noticed. We do know, without jury or question, this is the last recorded psalm that David sang before he died. It's the last recorded psalm. David will not, historical records bear it out, David will not sing another psalm. This is the last one. There's a reason someone coined the phrase famous last words. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of profound things that have been said at death's door. David, David is not a man that is walking off into his sunset years. He is already past the long shadows of evening time. David is down to days and hours. And he opens his mouth to sing one more time. God, don't be afraid. There's no way in the world I could preach these 50 verses here in the next 
45 minutes to an hour, but there's so much there. In fact, when I look at verse number one, man, this is the essence in my estimation of life. Look what David, the last song of all of the music he had written, Brother Mayo, of all of the music that he had penned under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. There's one more song that comes out of his mouth. What's this? What's David doing? Well, he's 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 looking back over his life. He is musing, he is cogitating, he is he is introspectfully looking back over the valleys and the mountains, the, the, the naders and the mountaintops. He's, he's moving his way down memory lane. Come on. It's an old man that knows his body's cold. He's pulled the covers up underneath his chin. He knows it's all winding down. But after David looks, he looks back over his life. I cannot preach this tonight without bringing attention to verse number one. Look at what, this is what made the psalmist the psalmist. I will love thee, O Lord. I will love thee, O Lord. Let me tell you something. Life's going to throw all kinds of things at you. Whether you're in your teens, whether you're young married, come on, or whether you're in the elder years of your life. Listen, there's all kinds of curves going to come from all different directions. But I can't think of a better decision that David ever made. And I can't think of a better decision that you and I could make than the decision. It's going to find me loving God. Come on. When it finds me, I'm going to be loving God. In the middle of it, I'm going to be loving God. When it's over... Can I just tell you something that's very profound to me? At 42 years old, I can tell you, my faith was forged in questions. My faith was forged in uncertainty. I haven't always understood. It's not answers that buoyed me. It's not answers that got me to 42 and still living for God. You know what sustained this preacher? I love him. I've loved him through the good times. I've loved him through the bad times. I want to know, are there any God lovers out there on Sunday afternoon? And he's looking back. He's looking back over his life. One more time. He clears his throat. He's pondering. Reflecting. You see, David lived only 70 years. It's not old by any stretch of the imagination compared to the age that other men were living to in those days. But you've got to understand something. While he only lived till he was 70, the Bible says that those 70 years were full. And when you've when you've lived a full life, there's a lot to reflect about. That's what people that are dying, that's what they do. They reflect. And I've, I've found so much con consolation in this reflection. I have found so much 
comfort, but at the same time, I have also this 18th Psalm also found in 2 Samuel 22 has become a constant provoker. And that's what I've come here. I've come here today to preach this into your spirit. He's full. He's a dying man. He's looking back over his life. David has lived a full life. Battles and blessings. Wars, wounds, and winds, valleys and victories, power and pain. David, as he reflects back over his life, understands something about restoration. But David also knew what rejection felt. Failures and forgiveness. This full 70 years of David's life again, hear what I'm telling you. He's living in the last moments. He's reflecting over his life. Come on. There were Absaloms, but there were Jonathans. There were Michaels, but there were Abigails. There were fallen giants, first lady. There were fallen giants. Goliaths and Saul. I said there were fallen giants, Goliaths and Saul's, disappointments, defeats. He lived a full life. There was also deliverances. I'm going somewhere. Grief and gifts. Love and loss, quests and questions, doubts, defeats, deliverance. David, in those 70 years, Pastor, much like our lives, experienced, if I could say it this way, the entire smorgasbord of life. All of its ups and downs and everything in between. David knew what insurrection looked like, but he also knew, he also knew, he also knew what intervention looked like. This is a dying man who clears his throat one more time. I want to preach this right now. God sent me this to preach this to individuals, families, marriages. But don't you ever underestimate what I'm about to preach you. It's not just for individuals. I've come with a word for this church. David, as he's looking back over his life, he says, I'll sing one more song. And as he looks over the fullness, the entire spiritual smorgasbord of his life, the ups and downs and in and outs, come on, the naders and the zeniths, David, as he's singing along, he said, by my God, Come on, by my God, I have run through a troop. I'm going to preach this tonight. David said, God brought me through some things. I'm looking out over this congregation, and the Holy Ghost gave me specific instructions. Come on. Some of you need to start celebrating the things that God has brought you through. They 
They said you wouldn't be here. You said you wouldn't be here. The devil had his foot on your neck. Come on. Come on. Yeah, we've got scars. Yeah, we made mistakes, but we made it through it. You're still alive. You're still in the house of God. You still got your family. Your kids still love you. You still got your health. God still loves you. Come on. Somebody needs to celebrate the fact I'm still here. There's a thousand places I could be, but I'm still here. Let me get out here and get in your business. Come on. Nobody said it's pretty. Come on. Who said it had to be pretty? Come on. Look at all, and I don't mean to be a prophet of doom, but look at all those that didn't make it. Who said it had to be pretty? Paul said, I fought a good fight. What's a good fight look like? It's one you don't quit. You're still here. Come on. You still got your hands raised. You still got a shout in your... I come with a word from the Lord tonight. It's time for you to stop grieving your mistakes. It's time for you to stop grieving what you lost. It's time for you to stop grieving what is stripped off of you. And it's time to celebrate. There's still some things. I made it through it. I've got some things to be happy about. I've got some things to put a smile on my face about. I'm not going any further. Right now, I'm trying to evoke, come on, how bad it was. In the middle of it, you didn't know if you was going to make it through it. But look at you. You're here in the middle of it. You thought you were going to die, but you're here in the middle of it. You didn't know where God was at, but you're here. We're here. I'm talking to us corporately right now. Come on, we're here. I'm sure there were days that you laid your weary body in the bed and your flesh said you're nuts. Come on, but we're here. We got through it. We got through the sleepless nights. We got through the bank appointments. We got through the lawyer's visits. They can lay whatever fault they want to at your feet. And you can lay whatever fault you want to at your own feet. You are here. (laughs) 
David's looking back over his life. He's a dying man. He's laboring for breath. He said, but God, I got one more song I'm going to sing. I got one more thing to say. When I look back over my life, come on, you think somebody in the 80s or 90s wrote that chorus? Oh, no. They're just copying off the lyrics from David from centuries ago. When I think about the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me. You didn't know if your marriage was going to make it. If we spend as much time celebrating on the other side as we do grieving and complaining when we're in the middle of it. But it's like God brings us through it, and we all of a sudden just forget all those things we said. And coming out of this one, this may be the one that gets me. Come on. Come on. Nobody ever been where I've been before. Come on. Come on. All the things that you said. All the crow. That's just it. We don't want to eat crow. Come on. It's all right to eat a little crow and celebrate. God's brought you through some things. And I know God's helped us, but ladies and gentlemen, come on, I don't think some of you have stopped to realize where God's brought this church. Come on, it's nothing short, come on, of a book of miracles. He brought us through it. He brought us through it, and you need to clap your hands and celebrate, come on, about the bringing through power of our God. I can't hear you. Clap your hands and shout to God. clears his throat. The covers are pulled up underneath his chin. His breathing's labored. But as David reflects over his full 70 years, he said, bye, my God. I got through it. I got through it. I got through jealousy. I got through malice. I got through covetousness. I got through failure. I got through backstabbing. I got through rejection. I got through people lying on me. I got through... I got through, I got through people. In fact, oh, it was prophetic, but you could hear the pain in his voice as he penned one of the other songs, and he said, if that had been an enemy, he said, I could have bore it. 
But it was it was that one, come on, that I went arm in arm with. Come on. It was somebody I had sweet counsel with. Come on, David's looking back over his life. Come on, Brother Marks, it brought you consolation. Why? Brother Marks, it's provoking you. Why? Because at 42 years old, if David could end at 70 years and say God got him through it, you know what? No matter what you're going through today, I've come to preach to you. God will bring you through that. God will help you through that. Did you come through it? Did you feel like sometimes you were blind, fumbling your way, flailing your way? For by thee, I. Have run through a troop. Somewhere, that self-initiation. Somewhere your human will has to wake up and tap in to God's power to bring you through. It's when you got dressed and it'd been easier to stay home. And you pulled your socks on. Come on. And you drove yourself to the house of God. He said, what much? No, you were engaging your will, though. For by thee, I have. You're going to have to start, you're going to have to start engaging your human will. You're going to have to start making choices, even if it seems like little baby steps. This will never get me where I want to go. Let me tell you something. There's something called grace. It's not for the lazy. It's not for the apathetic. Grace is not for the slacker. Grace is not, are you hearing me? The grace is not for those that have lethargy. Grace kicks in. It's the sufficiency of grace. Grace kicks in when you're doing something and God sees you doing something and then all of a sudden you've come to the end of what you can do. That's where grace shows up. We got through that. We got through Saul. We got through Absalom. We got through finding out Tamar had been raped. I got through finding out that it was her brother that did it. I got I got through that another brother becomes full of rage and kills that brother. Again, his breathing's laboring. It's David's last recorded song at the end of 70 years as he reflects over his life. He said, God was a God that brought me through things. I've preached here a whole lot. If you feel a little something right now and you're new around here, it's because these people, these people know I'm setting them up. <laughs> For by thee I've run through a troop. It's this next part that got me. I'm just about ready to give you my time. 
And he says, and by my God, goes a little deeper there. By thee is one thing. By my God, there's, there's, a, there's a sense of belonging. It's, it's a man who's bought in. He's taken ownership. He's my God. There's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a depth of devotion in that next phrase. For by thee, that's one thing. But by my God, that's another dimension. There's a depth of devotion there. And he says, and by my God, have, have I, somebody say have I, leaped over, somebody shout over, over a wall. God sent me to Spokane with a word. Three words. Put my title on the screen if you would. These were the three words. That the Holy Ghost spoke to me. As David reflecting over, as I've already said this morning before, everything that a man could experience, David experienced it on all levels. He had every color t-shirt, every size, including tie-dye. He had it all. And as he's looking, Sister Sergeant, back over his life, he's speaking to us here tonight, this afternoon, and he's saying to us through his story, through his psalm, through his last, through his last song, David's saying, God did not just bring me through things. He helped me get over them. There, there's a bit of a rut. There's a bit of high-centeredness. I've got my finger on something right now. You're here, and I'm glad you're here, and we've been celebrating that. But you're in a bit of a rut. Your wheels are spinning. You're kind of you're high-centered. And I've come to preach to you what David's seen as he looked back over his life. It's a testimony. Come on. It shouldn't just be David's testimony. David's testimony ought to be all of our testimonies because we serve the same God. Come on. If God, if God got you through it, I want to preach to somebody here tonight. God's got the power to get you over it. God has got the power to get you over it. Brother Marks, you don't believe in post-traumatic, you don't believe in PTSD? Absolutely. I've studied it until I gave myself a headache, and I've come to this conclusion. It's real. It's not just something that military men deal with. PTSD is real. But let me tell you how it works against you. There's only a couple ways that you can come out of it. you got to keep moving. Come on. you got to plug in to social, to a social circle. Come on. But PTSD, what does it do? It causes you to pull back, disengage and go in a cave. I've come to tell somebody, God didn't do all of that to get you through it. Come on, for you to hide in a hole somewhere. Come on, it's time to get up and plug in. It's time to get up and move. It's time to get up. I need some runners right now. I need some movers right now. I need some shakers and movers. Come on. I'm not just coming through it. I'm getting over it.
the emphasis. They tried to put it up there in italics and bold, but here the emphasis God sent me here to preach. Through and over, through and over, through and over, through and come on, through and over. called Chuck Atkins. Pastor friend of mine in Ohio that was a Marine. I didn't prep him. I just said, I didn't prime him. I said, I got some questions. And I said, I feel like you're the man God wanted me to call. And I said, I just want you to answer. And his voice started cracking as I started moving through some of these questions. I said, what's different? I said, what's different about this generation? Those vets, your comrades, Vietnam, which we give honor to all of our veterans, past and those that are currently serving. What's the difference? Again, I'm making a broad stroke here. I understand that, but what's the difference? He didn't even pause, Brother Mayo. He said, a lot of it is the mentality. He said, in fact, the mentality of a lot in this generation, he said, I'd be scared to get in a foxhole with them. I said, well, what's the difference, Chuck? He said, Brother Marks, he said, I've never thought of it. Cody, he called me, Cody. he said, I've never thought of it. He said, but there's an answer that just pops in my head. He said, I can't. I can't tell you that consciously I ever thought this. He said, but subconsciously, I know it's what drove me. He said, when them boys came back, we're talking about Vietnam and Korean War. He said, I never stopped to think about this. He said, but their daddies, their daddies had been through the Great Depression. And them boys had been privileged to live in a home where there were fathers that were not perfect but always plowed forward. They had a family to provide for. Come on. They didn't sit down and suck on their thumb and feel sorry for themselves. Come on, because the world was caving in around them. Come on. They knew that their family was dependent on them and that everybody would die. Come on. If all they did was sit around and feel sorry for themselves because of what they were having to go through. And he said, I'm convinced that a lot of those vets from Vietnam and Korean, come on, had had the advantage of watching their dads. I feel this right now. Watching their dads. Not just go through things, but get over it. Come on and function as fathers and provide as fathers. I'm going to preach this right now. I'm going to preach this right now. Mom and daddy, come on. I hope you leave here with the fear of God. You ought to put your emotions aside. You ought to put your feelings away. This is not just about you. Your response to this could be creating a model for how your children in the future come through some things. I'm not sure you got over them. And it's real. Wives and children and mothers, they're so grateful they're coming home. And 
and they're standing there with the signs. Obviously, welcome home. Obviously, they're grateful to be there because there's some mothers and daughters and wives. Their husbands didn't make it through it. So the very fact that they're standing there holding their little signs, and here come them boys that we're so proud of and we're so thankful that protect us and willing to put their lives on the line. Here they come piling off those planes. Obviously, they got through it. Those wives, there's no way for them to prepare. Will they get over it? I've seen people pray through. Pun intended, pray through. But it not last. Because you got to do more than get through it. You got to get over it. You got to get over your failures. You got to give over your baggage. You got to give over your condemnation. You got to get over what people think. What you, no, 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 no. What you think people think. Because most of the time they're not thinking it. You got through it. But I'm telling you, what good is it for you to get through it and live the rest of your life, come on, under this dark foreboding cloud of condemnation, this darkness? Come on, what good is it for you to get through it? Come on, ladies and gentlemen, I don't believe Jesus had any intention of just cleansing the 10. Come on, why in the world is there only 10% that's interested in coming back and saying, thankful I got through it, but would you help me get over it? Thankful I came through it. But would you help me get over it? All of the injuries that happen externally to a leper, the pathology or those injuries stem because the first thing you lose is your feeling. That's the first thing that goes with leprosy. Oh, God, the Lord sent me here to preach something. Literally, you can burn yourself and not even know you're burning yourself. You can't feel when there's pain. You say, well, what what does life look like for the one that came back? And that's the key, brother. You got to just keep coming back. That's how people are made whole. You keep coming back to prayer. You keep coming back to worship. You keep coming back on Sunday. You keep coming back on Tuesday night. You keep coming back to family prayer. You come back. You come back. Guess what? Oh, boy. This ain't in my notes. Whoa, Holy Ghost. As you keep coming back, the feeling starts coming back. As you keep coming back, the vision starts coming back. Come on, as you keep coming back, you don't even realize it. And I'm preaching figuratively, but you've been praising God with a stub. But all of a sudden, as you keep coming back, you look over one Sunday night and you've got a hand back. So what does being whole look like? It's my opinion. I can't prove this. 
but it's my opinion, Brother Gazande, there's a very likely chance that they were cleansed of the leprosy. The priest couldn't find it in them anymore. But they lived out the rest of their days. Listen to me. They can touch their baby's face again. But are you content just to touch it if God could touch you in a way that you could feel it again? see. Maybe the loss of healing led to the loss of sight. You know, you're home again. And the nostalgic smells of your wife's cooking her on the stove. I'm just thankful to be home. I'm just thankful I survived that. Why would you be thankful to survive it if in continuing to come back that God would give you what you needed to get over it, and you could see it, not just survive it. By the I have I, somebody say have I, left over. Would you say Two words with me with feeling. Would you say and over? Would you say it with some feeling? Okay. I'm going to say through and I want you to say and over. Come on. Something's going to snap right here. You ready? I'm going to say through and you say and over. You ready? Through. I want you to say it this time like you. Like you're preaching. Say it right now. Ladies, never mind. Through. Through. Now I was shocked. Brother Earl, come help me. I was shocked when I looked at this word wall. Now, I'm not going to try to confuse you. I'm going to make it simple. It's, it's a little more complex than this, but this is simple enough where you can grasp what's trying to be communicated here below the latent profundity. There's a lot of power just laying there latent. But this is a little deeper. He said, by you have I... Left over a wall. Okay. Now I, I want you to, to walk, just but walk slow. I know it's going to be real hard for you. I picked the wrong guy to walk slow. Now, in your mind, you may think the wall David's talking about is in the sense of a noun, something that keep that you come to. Keep walking. For by thee have I left over a wall in your mind. You're thinking a singular. Like it's something out there that I come to. And that, that one thing out there that I come in, it's in the sense of a noun. I come to it and when I come to it, I get it. No, 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 no. Turn back around. It's much more detrimental than that. It's not, you cannot think of the wall there. As in a noun, you've got to think of it as in a verb. Walled in. It's not a wall that you come to. It's a wall 
that no matter where you try to go, no matter what direction, try to go somewhere else. No matter, no, go, go, go up the aisle. No. Well, I'll go this way. Well, I'll try this. Well, I'll make new friends over here. Well, I know, I know what it is. I need to change churches. Make that turn. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's leadership, and I, I think it's leadership. I'll change leadership. This is not an isolated wall out there in a noun sense that you're going to come to. It is something that's going to follow you. I don't care if it happened 25 years ago. It will follow you wherever you go. Anytime you try to make a turn, whatever that is. And here's what I want, I want to make you mad. That's what I want to do. Okay. I want holy anger to come on some of you. It is confining you. It has trapped you in. I want you to get Holy Ghost claustrophobia. It's trying. I want you to get Holy Ghost claustrophobia. It's trying to confine you. It's trying to shut you down. It's trying to keep you from your purpose. much longer are you going to let something that God's brought you through come on keep walling you in 25 years later you need to you need to allow the Holy Ghost to give you a spark come on leap God wants to restore a spark God wants to restore an excitement God wants to restore an enthusiasm that'll catapult you over the wall Leap is a proactive, it's aggressive, Sister Sergeant. It's not, well, I'll get there eventually. Leap is a great exertion of energy. You've got to exert lots of energy if you're determined. Sit down, I'm fixing to deal with something. This may write, this may write, you, some of you saying ouch right now, Brother Marks, you're poking and you're poking hard. Well, hold yourself because I'm, I'm going to poke harder. I, I, I have, the reason I can preach like this is because I've been in these shoes right here. If the Lord will help me, I'll never do it again. This is a revelation right here. I'm telling you, I wish God had given me many years ago. I don't know. I, I know some. I'm not, I don't have the time. I'm, I'm already... I don't have much time left. The, the, the church at Corinth was going through all kinds of things. But let me tell you their greatest problem. You ready? And it's our greatest problem. Our greatest problem is not our problems. I've dealt with this before but not dealt with it, Brother Mayo, because I didn't know how to put my finger on it. Paul finally, I don't know if you all say this in the Northwest, he throat punches it. A throat punch is better than one on the end of the nose. He throat punches that spirit. And he says, you ready? Here's where he deals with it. This is one of the most pivotal moments in his letters to the church of Corinth. He said, there is no temptation that has come to you that is not common to man. And I, have, I didn't have a verse for this. I have tried to deal with this. I've, I've seen people get through things but not be able to get over it. And the problem was not their problems. Their problem was they felt like their problem was different than everybody else's. 
well, you don't know what I've been through, and you don't know what was said to me, and you don't know, you don't know about my childhood, and you don't know, you don't. Paul said, your problem, Corinth, is you want to suck your thumb and feel like that nobody's been through what you've been through, and nobody's dealing. Come on, there's nothing that you're going through that's not common to man. So get over it. Get over it. Get over the abuse. Get over the gossip. Get over the infidelity. Get over the fall of leadership. Get over. Get over not having a dad. Get over having a worthless mom. It took enough of your life. Why would you let it take any more? It's a disease, Brother Sergeant. I've got a I got a disease. Listen, if you can't pronounce it, you shouldn't claim it. And if you can't pronounce the medicine that you're trying to put you on, you shouldn't take it. I'd say that, but it sounds prejudiced, and God knows I'm not prejudiced, but I it just it blows me away. Well, you just don't know. And he says, he throat punches the issue, and he says, Corinth, your issue is not your issues. Your issues is you so blown this up and out of proportion in your mind. This is, to borrow Brother Booker's analogy, or his words, this is tacky, but I can't think of a better way to say it. People have played with worse hands than you and have won. He goes on to say, God will make a way of escape. You know where I believe the way of escape is? Right there. You know who I think opens it? Me believing that my situation is not so greater. You don't know the church trouble. You don't know. Through. Thank you, pastor's wife. Through. I'm going to say it until somebody stands up and cups your hands on your mouth and shouts it like you believe it. Through. Through. There's too much life to live. There's too much joy. There's sunsets and sunrises. There's things that God's going to blow your mind over this wall. There's landscape. There's scenery. It's burning. It's alive. There's still waters, but you got to get over the wall to see it. You got to get over the wall to experience it. You got to get over. Come to the keyboard. Come to the keyboard. I, just a keyboard player. I got to stop. I got to preach for Brother Jesse at 2.30. He's inhibiting me today. I'm kidding. Joseph. Oh, my God. He looks at one of those boys. And he says, here's unstable water. Daddy looked at Joseph, and he said, you're a fruitful bow boy. 
fruitful bough, planted by a whale, which, boy, I wish I had time to preach that. Let me come back next month, man. Now, if you're going to get over the wall, it matters what you're planted next to as you're making the effort to get over. He said, fruitful bough, planted by a whale. A vine going over the wall. David's dying. He can't find a trace of animosity. But by thee, I got through it. But by thee, I sure hope that my last breaths are not labored ones where I'm having to make phone calls. I hope there's, I hope there's not people gathered around my bed with questions in their mind. If I really got it out of my spirit or not. God, I want to shout so bad I want to cry like this. Find it. Find it, and I'll mark it in my Bible. I'll never say this again. Do you know after Potiphar's wife did what she did, that her name never come out of his mouth again? How? It's a vine that got over the wall. His brother's. Ishmaelites, bakers and butlers and Potiphar's and Potiphar's house and Potiphar's wife. I got through it. But his dad recognized Joseph. When he seen his face, when he seen his face, you go study it. Jacob knew when he seen Joseph's face. Lincoln about somebody who was qualified to be on one of his cabinets. His inner circle kept pressing him. Why don't you, why don't you, why don't you? He's got all the qualifications. And finally he snapped one day and he said, this is so profound. He said, I don't like their face. The Bible says that the three Hebrew boys came out of the fire furnace, not a stitch burning. They didn't smell like smoke. But yet you got people that are five years removed from a trial and they're still talking about it. You ever stop to think about when Joseph was finally put in that position of power? You don't think he missed his dad? Huh? What I'm about to tell you, only people who've gotten over the wall can do stuff like this. You don't think he wanted to reconnect with his dad? You don't think that every awakening moment of his life he wanted to beckon a servant and send him to Jacob? Why did he? Why didn't he? 
Jewish scholars teach. They believe this is powerful. But Jacob had enough understanding. Joseph, rather, had enough understanding that if he had sent word for his dad, and his dad would have found out what happened in an untimely fashion, that Jacob would have tore and ripped that family from stem to stern. The family meant more to Joseph than getting back what had been stolen. If we could only get people to treat the church that way. If only the body mattered more than our little feelings. And I've seen the body ripped and torn. Only people who've managed to get over it can do those kind of things. But you're never going to get over the wall with repeat on, with revenge on repeat. Thank you, Sister Mayo. That's so where you got to reach back to because this is where the rubber meets the road. It's where it all started. That's why I started the way I started with verse number one. How do you do all this stuff? And we know all things work together for the good. To those that love their feelings, love themselves, I believe, Brother Mayo, that little thing you've been looking for to get you, oh, just, I mean, great church, obviously people being baptized, but that little, it's not major, but that, I believe it will be the natural response. I believe it will just naturally happen when you as families and individuals just, just get over it. Get over it. God sent me here today. I'm closing. But as I told you, he said I've leapt. There's some exertion there. God wants to restore. Today, I believe Tuesday night can look different. I believe your Monday morning can look different. I believe somebody can go home with a different wife, same wife. You know what I mean. Let me clarify myself. So, whoa, yeah, whoa, we lay, I'm not just listening to your response, I'm listening to what I'm saying, trust me, I've been doing this a while, same wife, but a different wife, you know what I'm talking about, different spirit, different attitude, different aura, emanating something different, a joy, I believe that this service today could serve as a restoration of joy. Hey, if I could just, oh, I feel this right now. God just dropped some words in my mouth. If I could get my hands around his throat. No, if you could get your hands around the feet of Jesus. If I could just get my hands around their throat. No, if you could just get a handful of joy, a handful of peace. Come on. Let's stand. I may have told it here. Sorry if I have. You probably won't remember anyways. I was standing in the altar.
didn't even realize who I was standing by, but the situation four four years removed. Anyway, just the deal. And this person turned and looked at me. And me knowing the situation. And said, This is so powerful. Only a vine climbing over the wall says these kind of things. He looked at me and said, I wouldn't have chosen it, but I wouldn't change it. What? I wouldn't change it. Four years later. That's not just somebody that went through it. That's somebody that got over it. I want you to see what God's doing. I don't want you just to be here. This is a church that believes in restoration. I want you to feel it. I want you to experience it. I want the numbness to leave. Brother Marks, I'm, I'm scared to feel the pain. If you can't feel the pain, you can't feel the joy. I'm scared to love. If you're not loving, you're dying. I've lost every reason. To live. You've got every reason. The Holy Ghost has helped you through some things. You've got every reason to get over it. think about that vine, Pastor. It's not just the vine going over. It's the, he said it's a fruitful bough. When that vine doesn't go over the wall, who on the other side of the wall is not being sustained by its fruit? You didn't hear what I just said. Oh, there you go again. You want to you wanna put response. You better believe I'm laying responsibility at your feet. God gave you gifts and you're going to answer for it. And when your little vine shrivels up and dies and you, you don't wheel it over the wall, there's somebody on the other side of that wall that the fruit from your vine is going to sustain them. So this is not just about you getting through. It's baggage. Well, you've got to start looking at it as baggage. Why don't you look at it as jurisdiction? You can tell something I can't tell. Do you understand the power behind that? It's one for me, one thing for me to say it under an unction. It's another thing for you to say, I've been where you're at. I'm not calling everybody down here. I'm not doing it. If you want the if you want your feeling back. If, if you recognize the night, yeah, he got me through it. 
Y'all want to get over it. Tonight, starting right now, I want you to come stand around the front of this building. Don't, don't do anything else but come down here. I don't care what it is. I don't care how you let the enemy undermine it. Don't do that. A wall's a wall, whether it's a big one or a small one. It's, it's going to be there no matter what kind of turn you try to take. No matter, it's going to stop you from journeying. It's going to stop you from getting anywhere. Would you open your spirit and let me say something to you? It came to me praying on a southwest flight somewhere between Denver and Spokane this morning. Would you open your spirit? You've received hurtful things people have said. Would you receive would you receive a healing salve? Words can be hurtful, but words can heal. You're not trash. You're a treasure. trash. You're a treasure. I believe there's a spark this afternoon that the Holy Ghost is going to go. And that old cold bed, brother, Mayo. Those coals are hot. I believe the Holy Ghost is something's going to spring up in you. When you realize the damage, not just the damage the devil's done, but the fact that he's trying to hem you in. He doesn't want you getting anywhere. He wants this to block you from any kind of turn or direction. Over. Through. I wish somebody would go past your nature and your personality. I wish somebody would exert. I'm telling you, you say, Brother Marks, it's ridiculous. Well, it might be what it takes to get the miraculous. From down here, I want some guttural. Come on. Put, put some feeling in it, some exertion. Through. Through. Not another day. I've cried my last tear over this. I've lost, I've lost the last good night's sleep over this. No more anxiety attacks. I'm not living with chest pain. I'm not living, come on, feeling like a worthless piece of trash. Come on. God didn't bring me through this. God didn't bring me through this to not bring me over it. I'm going to be used. I'm going to be victorious. I'm going to be a conqueror. I'm anointed. I'm called. I've got a purpose. I've got a destiny. I'm his kid. Look at me. I ask God what to do. I'm going to release you when I release you. Don't you underestimate this. Some of you may not be able to physically do mountain climbers, but all if you can do is stand there and do this. I, if you physically, you say that's crazy. So is spitting in a blind man's eye. 
you better just do what God's asking you to do right now. If you're serious about getting over this, well, I don't want to make a scene because I don't, I don't want anybody to know. Listen, sometimes to see the supernatural, you've got to make a scene. Just ask Zacchaeus. Ask blind Bartimaeus. You think they're worried about making a scene? It's just not about your, this shouldn't be about your pride. This should be about your future. This becomes about your pride. You're damned and doomed. And I'm in the Bible. He said, he that believeth a lie is damned. I want And I want you to lift your voice when you do it. It's going to take exertion. I'm going to tell somebody, you mark my words, I'm prophesying. Some of you going to get through about four grabs and something's going to come on you. Some of you, it's going to take 15 or 20 seconds and God's going to see if you're willing to keep pumping it out until something breaks. Some of you, if it takes two minutes, if you, if you get tired of pulling your legs up and all you can do is your hands, if you get tired of doing two and you can only do one at a time, I want you to put forth the effort that's showing God, I'm getting over this. I'm getting over this wall. I'm getting over this situation. I'm not. Are you ready? I'm going to count to three. you got to put your voice with it. Are you serious about this? Come on. Are you serious about this? One, two, come on, three. Go to climbing. Show the devil. Show the devil. Come on! Go, baby, go, go. I'm going over. I'm going over. I'm going over. I'm going over. Somebody's coming off my eyes there. Identify yourself. Stop. You Come on. Stop. Exert yourself. You 
never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You're not taking another you never day stop, from me. You're not taking another moment from me. You can't have my dreams. You can't have my promises. You can't have the promises God's given me. Get over that wall. Get over rejection. Get over sexual abuse. Come on. Get over inferiority complexes. Get over insecurities. Get over So they called you names. Get over it. So you were molested. Get over it. Just bring people through it. He brings them through it to bring them over it.
hear the wall climbers. Come on. Let me hear the I'm getting over people. Come on, right now, I can't hear you. Get over it. David said, God didn't just bring me through it, but when I look back over my life, God helped me get over it. I think we may need to go into Cornerstone's theme song. Devil thought he had me. He thought I was dead. Come on, I hear the sounds of victory right now. Come on, somebody open your mouth and let that cry out. You hadn't cried like that in a while. Yeah! Get over it. Come on, you got to put forth some effort if you're going to get over it. You got to exert yourself if you're going to get over it. You got to just keep coming back. Inch by inch, foot by foot, until one day, come on, you wake up and it's behind you. He thought, thought I was, I was dead. dead. He thought that I would give up and never dance again. The devil thought he had me. Come he on, somebody. He thought that I would give up and never dance again. The devil thought he had me. He thought I was dead. He thought that I would give up and never dance again. The devil thought he had me. He thought I was dead. He thought that I would give up and never dance again. The devil thought he had me. He thought I Come on, sing with him. You know what they couldn't get over? 
the taste of garlic and onion. Where has that been my whole life? God brings people through things that are nothing short of a miracle, but yet they still keep the taste. How much sense does it make for God to bring you through the Red Sea and for you to still struggle, come on, with something on your palate? Garlic and onion, you can't hardly get it off of your breath. Think that's, you think that's coincidence? That stuff's not in the Bible by coincidence. Why? Because God's trying to tell us, I didn't bring you through the Red Sea. Come on, your miracle is as big as the Red Sea. You think about it. God said, I didn't do that for you to carry around garlic and onion. Is there any, is there anybody else here that smells the milk before you drink it? Yeah. You may want to have your own gallon, because if you got something against my nose, my nose is going to be right on the top of that joker. Huh? You know why? I love frosted flakes, and I love cinnamon toast crunch. But ladies and gentlemen, you get you a big old spoonful of frosted flakes with soured milk. I didn't sit there going, you know, this doesn't taste very right. You know, I hope this is spoiled. And I got one more little illustration for you. Does it look like I stopped eating frosted flakes? Sister Brenda, not only did I not stop eating them, guess what? That little spoonful of sour milk didn't stop me right then. I went over and I washed the bowl out. Come on. I put the cereal that was spoiled down the dispenser. Come on. I got some fresh milk. Can I preach to somebody? Don't throw the baby out with the dirty dishwater. Just change the dirty water. I'm still eating cornflakes. Yeah, I had a sour experience, but I'm still eating Cinnamon Toast Crunch. That's my testimony. I'm still shouting. I'm still dancing. I'm still doing Acts 238. I'm still living holy. I'm still living. Are you ready? Come on. I want you to show the devil. Come on. One, two, three. Come on. We're still shouting. We're still believing truth. Go. We're still we have a stop. We found out I would give up and never We're said still dead. right. The devil thought he had me. He thought I was dead. He found out I would give up and never dance again. The devil thought he had me. He thought I was dead. He thought that I would give up and never dance again. The devil thought he had me. He thought I was dead. He thought that I would give up and never dance again. The devil thought he had me. He thought I was dead. He thought that I would give up and never dance again.
shout like you're coming out of this. Look out. We only halfway through this year. Look out. We're going to take some things back. Get 